Acts chapter 24. And we'll begin reading in verse number 24. Acts 24 and verse 24. The Bible says, And after certain days when Felix came with his wife Drusilla, which was a Jewess, he sent for Paul and heard him concerning the faith in Christ. And as he reasoned of righteousness, temperance, and judgment to come, Felix trembled and answered, Go thy way for this time. When I have a convenient season, I will call for thee. He hoped also that money should have been given him of Paul, that he might loose him. Wherefore he sent for him the oftener and communed with him. Father, I ask you to bless the reading of thy word. Speak to our hearts. I pray that you'd give us liberty and give us that ready turn of thought and mind. I pray that you'd illuminate our heart and mind these next few moments. And God, that your will would be done and would be accomplished. And we'll thank you and we'll praise you for it. In Christ's name we do pray. Amen. Amen. You can be seated tonight. I want to preach out of verse number 25. Notice what Felix says when he says, Go thy way for this time. Notice this. When I have a convenient season. I want to preach on the season that never comes. The season that never comes. You know, the devil wants you to think tonight that you can be saved. Just wait for that convenient season. I want to tell you in salvation, it never comes to a sinner. And when we come to this text tonight, I'm reminded of Felix in this text. Reminds me of so many different people in life that you talk to. Sometimes you witness to somebody and uh, they'll make this statement. They'll say, well, some other time, not right now. Uh, not today. And, and sometimes you'll, you'll preach and, and you'll give an invitation hoping that that sinner will walk the aisle and folks will pray that maybe this would be the service. This would be the, the invitation that they would come and, and get saved and, and they hold on to that pew or they wait out that service and, and they leave as to say not today but some other time. I'm reminded the Bible says that today is the day of salvation. Now is the accepted time. Acts 4 and verse 12 said, Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. I want to tell you if the Bible says anything about salvation, it talks about the urgency of man and how that he must be saved. Salvation is an option, but my friend, you get to make that choice as to whether or not to be saved or be lost. But if you're going to be saved, you need to be saved right now now, the Bible says. I want you to notice three things in this text tonight and we'll be through. Number one, I want you to see the sinners in verse 24. Notice the man, Felix here. The Bible said, and after certain days when Felix came, now, Felix was the Roman governor. His name means happy. The only thing is that when you look at Felix's life, he really wasn't happy anywhere in life, but that's what his name represented. And he was the governor of Rome. And so uh, Felix being this governor, he was a, a very wicked man, a man that grew up out of slavery and had gained his uh, prosperity and his political office through evil manipulations. And, and so Felix was that type of a person that he would manipulate his way into something. He was willing to take a bribe. To If you offered him a bribe, he would almost do anything for that bribe. To Just anything to get ahead in life. And I want to tell you, when it comes to being saved, you may manipulate a lot of things in life, but you cannot manipulate God. Amen? You have to come clean and you have to come honest and you have to come open before God if you're going to be saved. 
the man Felix. And then I think about this uh, Madame Drusilla here and I think about this woman. She was as bad as her husband, if not worse. At the age of 14, she was married off to a prince of Syria and then at the age of 16, she ran away from that prince and married Felix and became his third wife. And she was a very uh, a wicked woman that, that came from a very bloodthirsty uh, heritage. You say, what do you mean, preacher? Well, Herod uh, uh, the Great was her great-grandfather and he was... Um responsible for uh, for killing all the babies when Jesus was born. You know that uh, he slew all the children that was under two years of age and, and then we know that uh, Herod uh, Agrippa the first was her was her father and that he killed James in Acts chapter number 12 and then her uncle Herod was responsible for killing uh, John the Baptist and so on and on throughout her history uh, she has been surrounded by people that, that had no uh, conscience when it came to to taking someone's life. And what I want you to see is that these are some pretty big sinners that Paul is standing before, amen? But when you think about the apostle Paul in this text here, Paul is standing before these two sinners, uh, but he's not afraid to take a stand, amen? Uh, Paul realizes uh, if this text, if verse 25 or verse 24 proves anything, you know what it proves? Uh, It proves the great lengths that God will go to just to get the gospel to any sinner's door step and it proves that no matter how wicked or how bad a sinner may be God still loves them and he still wants to give them the gospel and he wants to see them saved it also proves this uh, that the sufferings and the things that we go through in life as Christians uh, may be for the very furtherance of the gospel and getting it to people that would never hear it otherwise you see when Paul stood before Felix and Drusilla he did not see this although it could have been but Paul did not see this as an opportunity to escape his chains or his bonds uh, but he saw it as an opportunity to give two lost sinners the gospel and he preached the gospel the Bible said he talked to them concerning the faith in the Lord Jesus Christ I want to tell you tonight if you're lost think about the links that God has went to went through to get the gospel to you You say, but preacher, I've been raised in church all my life. Church is all I've ever known. Yes, but God didn't have to save your mother. He didn't have to save your father. Do you realize that it's the the providential hand of God, it's the sovereignty of God that has brought the gospel to your doorstep just like he brings it to the doorstep of some drunk or some prostitute or some murderer. It took just as much grace to get the gospel to that pew that you're sitting on. God could have let one of your family members went to hell they could have blew out and got out of church just like it was testified a while ago but you're sitting in a pew tonight in the house of God uh, under the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ uh, because God loves you enough uh, and Jesus died for you and he wants to save you uh, hey, even on a Sunday night God let you be here and he's letting you hear a message one more time uh, and if the Holy Spirit pricks you in the heart tonight uh, you ought to jump up out of that seat uh, and run to this old fashioned altar because God could let you go to hell just like he's let a lot of other people go to hell but he loves you enough uh, that he wants to save you on a Sunday night amen you see I don't believe in chance or circumstance do you 
I don't think things just happen by chance. They, they don't happen just by, by, by circumstance. I, I'm not looking for all the stars to line up right, amen? I believe there's an unseen hand that works behind the scene and works in the affairs of men, both saved and lost. I'm not a Calvinist by no means tonight. God gives every man a free will and he gives every man a choice, but God doesn't leave man to himself. He takes the initiative in salvation. He makes the first move. He comes to where we are. You know why? Because we couldn't get to where he was, but God comes to us and he reaches out and he woos us and he draws us and he gives us an opportunity to be saved. And I see these sinners here. Most would have just let them die and go to hell, but God sent them a Paul to preach the gospel to them. I see not only the sinners, but secondly, I want you to notice the sermon in verse number 24 and 25. The Bible says in verse 24, he sent for Paul and heard him concerning the faith in Christ. I notice the delivery of Paul's sermon. Paul delivers this sermon and it's concerning the faith of the Lord Jesus Christ. Romans 10 and verse 17 says, so then faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Notice again in verse 24 that he sent for Paul and heard him concerning the faith in Christ. Hey sinner, if you hear the gospel and you want to be saved, you can be saved. If God lets you hear the gospel, that ought to be proof enough that God wants to save you, amen? You see, God doesn't let the, the gospel fall on ears, uh, uh, deaf ears in vain. Uh, uh, God sends the gospel out because he cares for man's soul. He wants man to, to hear that. And if you hear the gospel tonight and you're willing to obey the gospel and believe the gospel, then you can be saved, amen? Can I tell you what the gospel is? It's faith in Christ. I'm not saved because I prayed a prayer and a prayer and a prayer is how you get saved. I'm not saved because I walked down an aisle. Uh, Brother Daniel said he got saved on the side of the road. I think that's as good of a place to get saved as any, don't you? That's where Paul got saved, was on the side of the road. That woman at the well, she didn't get saved in a church house, uh, but she got saved uh, at the well, at Jacob's well. It really doesn't matter where you're at as long as you get saved, amen? I'll tell you where you will get saved at. You'll get saved at that place that you hear the gospel, amen? And when you hear the gospel, thank God you're a candidate uh, for old-fashioned salvation. Salvation, amen. And if you're here tonight, uh, I want to tell you, if you'll put your faith uh, in the Lord Jesus Christ, then you can be saved, amen. I think about the delivery of Paul's sermon. And then I think about the details of Paul's sermon. Notice what Paul preached concerning the faith in Christ. Uh, the Bible says in verse number 25, and he reasoned of righteousness, temperance, and judgment to come. Paul spoke about three things. He spoke about the nature of righteousness. Paul is speaking to a Roman governor. If you think about the book of Romans, Paul uh, in the book of Romans wrote about the righteousness of Christ. That's what Romans is all about. It's about that righteousness that's required, that righteousness that's been revealed, that righteousness that is received, uh, and that righteousness that'll reproduce. That's what Romans tells us uh, about those 16 chapters uh, is all about the righteousness of Christ, that man is unrighteous, that man is under the condemnation. Romans 3 and verse 23 
as it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. Verse number 23 says, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Romans 5 and verse number 12 says, wherefore, as by one man's sin entered into this world and death by sin, so death is passed upon all men, for all have sinned, amen? Man is a sinner, amen? Romans chapter number five and verse number six said, for when we were yet without strength in due time, Christ died for the ungodly, for scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet peradventure for a good man some would even dare to die, but God commendeth his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, amen? Sinners, he said, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us, and he talked about, my friend, that righteousness, the nature of righteousness is this, that you and I, we cannot save ourselves. David said in sin, did my mother conceive me? Understand you were born a sinner. Understand you're living as a sinner, and one day if you don't get saved, you'll die as a sinner, but the good news of the gospel is you don't have to die in your sins, amen? He that knew no sin became sin for us that we might be made the righteousness of God in him tonight. See, friend, you can't change what you are, but you can trust Jesus Christ and he can change you for time and eternity. He talked about the nature of righteousness. He reasoned of righteousness and then temperance. He talked about the need for temperance. You see that word temperance here, uh, it refers to self-control, but in the context, it's dealing with sexual self-control. Now, why is Paul dealing with that? Because he's dealing with two very wicked people. And what Paul, when he spoke about temperance, he spoke about it on this subject and because uh, that was the sin that, that was most prevalent in their life. Now think about this. Paul does the same thing here that John the Baptist did before Herod. He goes in and calls their sin out. He preaches against Felix and Drusilla's sin. John the Baptist preached against Herod's sin. Jesus spoke about the woman at the well sin. He said, thou hast said, well, you have five. You said that, that, that he's not your husband. He said, you have five husbands. Amen. Jesus called their sin out. Why is that so important? Because God has to reveal to us that we are a sinner and the way that he reveals that is by pointing out our sin. You see, we live in a day when the gospel has been so watered down that they ask you four simple questions. If you answer those questions right, repeat a prayer, then you're saved. But that's not it, friend. You've got to come face to face with yourself and you've got to come face to face with your sin so you can see that you're a sinner and see that you need a savior, amen. You say, Brother Gravely, I've not got out and lived in all kinds of wicked sin. No, but you're just as wicked because you have a sin nature. And given to yourself and left to yourself, we would do the same thing that anybody else would do. You see, tonight, think about this. Man at his, very, at his very best cannot self-control himself enough to be saved. And Paul, what he did was he just raised the bar by showing them the true righteousness is in the Lord Jesus Christ. By showing them who they were, by calling out their sin, their need of temperance. Paul pointed out you've got a sin in your life. You've got a need in your life. You're failing. You're found wanting right here. I tell you the day that I got saved, I listen, that's exactly what the preacher did. He preached on my sin. And sin preaching will bring you, it'll bring condemnation. But condemnation brings 
conviction and conviction brings conversion and conversion brings a change and change my friend brings a cleansing and that cleansing thank God brings a comfort and that comfort brings an assurance a confidence amen that you know that you have been changed but it all starts with dealing with your sin you must confess you're a sinner you must confess you're not good enough you must confess that you have come short you have missed the mark of the glory of God in your life amen it starts with being honest Lord I'm a sinner You know, me and my wife was talking today about how times have changed so quickly in this area. Just a few years ago, and I even asked a preacher not long ago, I said, have you noticed this? I said, used to, you could preach and you could preach salvation, you could preach on heaven, you could preach on hell, you could preach on judgment and you could give an invitation and in that invitation you could say, now if you're lost, would you raise your hand? We want to pray for you. If you're concerned about your soul, any at all, would you lift your hand so we can pray for you? And people would raise their hand. Didn't mean they always come. But they cared enough for their soul that they'd at least be honest enough to raise their hand and say, I don't know if I'm saved. Or they'd raise their hand and say, I know I'm lost. I'm going to tell you one day, just like turning a faucet off, that changed. I think we're dealing with a generation, and I'm not putting everybody in that, but I think you'll agree with this. We're dealing with a generation that no longer won't even raise their hand. They're not concerned about their soul. They're not concerned about eternity. Oh, friend, hear me tonight. If you're concerned about your soul, then thank God. Thank God tonight. You need to do something about it while you can. And I see that in this sermon, he dealt with the nature of righteousness. He dealt with the need for temperance. And then notice what he dealt with in verse number 25 again. He talked about the nearness of judgment. Look what he said, and judgment to come. Paul in his sermon, he pointed him to the righteousness of Christ. He showed these two sinners you cannot be good enough, but there is one that can be. He pointed out their sin, their need for temperance, and then he spoke about the nearness of judgment that is to come. Told them there is a judgment. I want to tell you tonight, there's a judgment for all of us. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. And I know Paul's talking to saved people there, that everyone may give an account of their body according to that which they have done, whether it be good or bad. There's a judgment seat of Christ for the saved. There's a great white throne judgment for the lost tonight. If you're lost, the Bible said in Revelation chapter 20 and verse number 11, John said, And I saw a great white throne, and he that sat upon it, from whose face the heaven and the earth fled away, and there was found no place for them. And John said, And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God, and the books were open, and another book was open, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books according to their works. And then John said, And and death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them, and the sea gave up the dead. And he said, And whosoever's name, in verse 15, was not found written in the book of life, was cast into the lake of fire. You know, hell's an awful place tonight. But there's a place worse than hell. That's the lake of fire. And when a sinner dies without God, they go to hell. Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 27 said, It's the point a man wants to die, and after this, the judgment. 
At the moment a person dies, if they're saved, they go to heaven. Lazarus was carried by the angels into, rich, uh, into, into Abraham's bosom. The Bible said the rich man also died and was buried and in hell. He lift up his eyes being in torments and seeth Abraham afar off and Lazarus in his bosom. And he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue for I'm tormented in this flame. And Abraham said, Son, remember that thou in thy lifetime receivest good things and likewise Lazarus evil things. But now, I'm gonna tell you something. It's not the here and now that counts. It's the now of eternity. But now he is comforted and thou art tormented. He said, besides all this, there's a great gulf fixed between us and you that they that would pass from hence to you cannot, neither can they come to us that, that would come from thence. And he said, and I pray thee therefore, Father, that thou would have sent him to my father's house for I have five brethren that he may testify unto them lest they also come to this place of torment. And he said, they have Moses and the prophets, let them hear them. And he said, he said, nay, but if one rose from the dead, they will repent. And then Abraham said, he said, if they hear not Moses and the prophets, Prophets, uh, neither will they be persuaded though one rose from the dead. I'm gonna tell you, friend, if you're not willing to walk the aisle, if you're not willing to trust the Bible, if you're not willing to trust Jesus Christ right now tonight as your personal Lord and your personal Savior, there is no hope for you tonight. Uh, it's now or never. It's turn or burn. It's sink or swim. You gotta trust Jesus tonight as your Savior. Surrender your will. Yield your heart and believe God and he'll save you. The judgment to come, there's a great white throne judge. There's a judgment of the nations. God is a God of mercy and love and grace, but he's a God of wrath and he's a God of judgment. And God in his mercy and God in his love and God in his grace, what he does is he stretches out his hand. He, he's done everything that a God could do. He, he sacrificed his son at Calvary. He put him on the cross and he bore your sin. Every wrong thing that you and I have ever done, everything that we are, we are sinners. He laid it all on the back of his son at Calvary. And my friend, he sacrificed his son and the son sacrificed his life. He gave his blood and he shed that blood so that you and I could be saved. And now through the spirit of God, he stretches forth his hand and he invites you to come and he gives you his word to tell you how to be saved. And all you have to do is come and believe and he will do the rest. Hallelujah. He'll save you. You cannot save yourself. If you turn him away, you sit there and don't come, one day you'll stand before him. Friend, it could be tonight, couldn't it? That we stand before God. Hebrews 10 and verse 31 says, it's a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. I'm gonna be honest with you tonight, as saved as I am, I don't look forward to a judgment seat. I don't look forward to it. You say, preacher, are you afraid of the judgment seat? No. I'm going to be ashamed, I can tell you that. I'm going to have regrets, I can tell you that. I'm going to be embarrassed, I'm sure I can tell you that. I'm going to wish I would have gave him more. But I don't have to fear it. 
Because I know the one sitting on the judgment seat. Thank God I'm glad I know Jesus Christ tonight. I really feel in my soul the Lord's dealing with somebody. And he'll save you tonight, friend, if you'll come. Not only do we see the sinners in the sermon, but I want you to notice the sadness. Look at verse number 25 again. Felix trembled. Notice the disturbance here. That word tremble means that he was terrified. Paul's preaching had power on it. Paul's preaching moved the heart of this wicked sinner. Paul's preaching put him under conviction and condemnation. We're talking about a man of authority. We're talking about a man who has power. We're talking about a man who Paul's life uh, in one sense was in his very hands, but in essence, uh, Paul's life was in the hands of God. But here's a man sitting on a throne and all of his power and all of his authority and all of his prestige uh, with all of his servants and all of his guards standing around. Uh, and Paul walks in there uh, with a word from God and he preaches uh, about faith in Jesus Christ. Uh, and he talks about, uh, uh, my friend, the temperance and the judgment and the righteousness and my friend Felix is just like every other man. I'm telling you, listen, man may have authority. He may have prestige and he may have power, but he's no match for God, amen? He may be stooped in religion, but when the Spirit of God comes a-calling and he knocks on your heart's door, man becomes weak as water and he's just like everybody else. I'm here to tell you tonight, if your heart is about to beat out of your chest and right now you find yourself out wanting and weighed in a balance, uh, then my friend God uh, is speaking to your soul uh, and you ought to junk everything you got uh, and come to this old-fashioned altar and bow your head and bend your knee and say, dear God, here I am. Save me tonight. I'm telling you, if you're trembling, you ought to come, amen. You ought to come tonight. I remember years ago, I was preaching in a, preaching in a church back home in Chatsworth on a Sunday morning. And uh, I was preaching, and it was, it was tough. I mean, it was just, the only way to put it, it was dead. And God had spoke to my heart that morning and said, I want you to preach on the cross. I'll tell you, it was so dead in there, I, was, I felt like I was plowing through concrete and a, with a front tine tail or two. <laughs> I mean, they would, if you won't say amen to the cross, there ain't nothing else you're gonna say. And just looking at me. I was about 15 minutes in that sermon and I thought, well, I know God told me to preach on the cross. I'm gonna preach about another 10 minutes and, and go to the house, you know. And I'll tell you, the back door opened uh, and there was a lady, she'd come in and she sat on the back row uh, and uh, she sat there for about 10 minutes uh, and I watched her go to weeping uh, and she jumped up out of that seat. She didn't even wait for the invitation. Friends, she didn't come walking down the aisle. She come running down that aisle. I mean, she woke the whole crowd up, amen. And she fell in that altar and before anybody could get to her she said oh God save me oh God save me I tell you she got saved that morning she said I was coming down the road and she said when I passed by the church she said I just felt a heaviness come over me and she said I heard something say turn around and go back amen and she turned around and she went to that church and God rescued her and God saved 
saved her. I'm telling you, friend, if you want to be saved, and the door's wide open tonight, all you've got to do is come on in. Hallelujah. Not going to be no easier than it is right now. God will save you tonight if you'll come. But you'll have to swallow your pride. You say, preacher, what would everybody say? I mean, I, I'm a member of a church. It makes no difference tonight. Anybody that saves is going to rejoice. And can I take the pressure off of you? You're not the first church member that got saved. If you're a visitor, you won't be the first visitor that got saved. I thank God for the times I've trembled under conviction, don't you? How many of you tonight, you don't have to raise your hand, but how many of you tonight, you remember that load of conviction? You remember when the Holy Ghost, when you, you couldn't eat and you couldn't hardly sleep? I remember laying in the bed. I'd do okay throughout the daytime, but when the lights got turned out and it got nighttime, everything got quiet, I'd hear a small voice. Say, so you're not saved. You're not saved. I'd lay in that bed and I'd weep. I'd say, God, can I tell you just what I said? And I was being honest. I wasn't trying to be funny, but it was just what was in my heart as a little boy. I'd say, God, I, I don't want to go to hell, but I don't want to go to church either. I didn't want to go to church. You know, I see a lot of people in church that don't want to go to church. Makes me wonder. I'd lay in bed every night and I'd say, God, I, I, I want to get saved, but I don't want to go to church. I didn't want to go to church because there wasn't nothing in me that connected with church. And I'll tell you how I know I'm saved tonight. I love the house of God. I love God's people. I'm telling you, I'm not bragging. Please don't think that. I'm not boasting. I had more things wrong with me than I ever care to tell anybody about. I made a lot of mistakes and a lot of blunders and I, I failed God more times than I ever want to recall and I messed up. But can I tell you, through all the blunders and all the mistakes and all the broken promises, I, I love being in the house of God. I, I love being around God's people. I love that book, don't you? When a man of God gets up and preaches from that book and he gives the word of God something on the inside said, man, that's good. I, I want to hear that. I, I just want to be around it. And when I'm gray and old, uh, old and I can't put one foot in, the, in front of the other, somebody put me in a wheelchair uh, and get me down to the house of God. Uh, set me in the corner somewhere. Uh, if I could just be here, uh, I've got a desire uh, to be in the house of God all the days of my life. Amen. What about you? Hey, some of you ain't even listening to me right now. Some of you teenagers need to look up here at me while I'm preaching. Your mind's a million miles away. I'm telling you, you're in trouble and you don't even know you're in trouble. The devil's going to get you if you don't get right with God. You better think about what I'm telling you tonight. You say, preacher, why would you say that? Because I care enough to call you out. I've been mean to you tonight. I wish God would grab hold of every soul in this building, including my own tonight, and sober us to how close to the eternity we really are.
I'm telling you, this thing's winding out tonight. Hey, some of you young people, if God, and it ain't just young people, there's some mamas here tonight. I want to tread lightly on what I'm about to say, but I'm going to tell you something as a pastor. I do think the Holy Ghost will tell you Pray for that member right there. I can't see nobody's soul, but I tell you, there's people I've pastored for years. I pray you're saved tonight. And I don't believe in making people doubt. I tell you, Timmy come down here and said he got saved. You can go ask him. I asked him 20 questions on that platform. Because I don't believe in making people just make a recap. I believe that but I, there's people I worry about they come to church it's a big it's just a big game to them the devil's got you and you better listen to this this preacher this morning this evening you're gonna bust hell wide open that's what's gonna happen to you if you don't get saved tonight he trembled When's the last time, sinner, you trembled? When's the last time God got a hold of your heart in a way you said, oh God, I'm lost. I know I'm lost. I'm going to tell you, Brother Bobby or somebody said it right. I don't want to, in case there's anybody here wondering, let me tell you something. Conviction never makes you wonder if you're under conviction. If you got to put a question mark on it, it ain't God. Because I'm going to tell you, when God knocks on your heart, he don't have to introduce himself. People come to this altar and say, well, I, I, I don't know if I'm under conviction. They're either lying or they're, they're just confused. But when the Holy Ghost deals with your heart, you know you're lost. You know you, know you need to be saved. I was preaching here one Sunday morning. A 16-year-old girl sit right back there. Sit right back here where Brother Jonathan is sitting. Jonathan Helton. In that very seat you're sitting in, Brother Jonathan. She raised her hand that she was lost. The people that brought her was here in the service this morning. She raised her hand that she was lost. Gave the invitation, begged her to come to be saved. And now remember God moved us. Some folks got saved that day, but she didn't come. 16 years old. She died on Tuesday. Went out into eternity as far as we know. She went out into eternity without God. 16 years old. Her life was over with. I want to tell you tonight, friend, if God graces you enough to pass by and speak to you tonight, you ought to come running. I notice in this text the delay that he made was this. He makes a terrible mistake in verse 25. He said, when I have a convenient season, I'll call for thee. I want to tell you that season never comes, friend. If the devil can talk you out of tonight, he can talk you out of eternity. If he can talk you out of getting saved tonight at the end of a three-week revival, he can talk you right into hell. He can talk you out of getting saved. Felix is in hell tonight. This was a very large hope that he had because the apostle Paul is preaching to him. 
If anybody could preach the gospel outside Jesus, it was Paul. Paul preaches the gospel to him. It was a, it was a very large hope. And, and I want to tell you, my friend, this was his last hope. And it was a lost hope. Because Felix says, no, Paul, not today. Some other time. Not today. 